Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, D.I. Van Oxley, and I am glad to be here with you. Ooh, I had the pleasure of spending some time with my sister earlier today at the Women's Business Development Council's 20th Anniversary Gala Luncheon. Um, they had some very special guests, and one of those individuals uh, is Carla Harris. So uh, let's take a listen. So as many of you know, the National Women's Business Council was born in 1988 under H.R. 5050, which was also the same legislation that made it legal for a woman to be able to sign a check on her own without a man's signature. I know some of the ladies in the room are like, what? It wasn't that long ago. And, and what we've done is try to create research. That really is the dominant thing that the council does, is to create research that will hopefully inspire or support policy that will ultimately support women. And as I say, those who don't get it, hug the data. So we produce the data so that we, we can support those efforts. And one of the things that we were very helpful on is the passing of NDAA a couple of years ago that made so that implemented sole sourcing for women, which is a big deal, I think, in helping women to get their fair share of the, the contracts that come out of the federal government, which as many of you know, is the largest purchaser, or one of the largest purchasers in the world. And the government has had, what, since 1994, a target to have 5% uh, 5% procurement goals, so most of the spending, 5% of the spending to go to women-owned businesses. Well, one of the things that I learned when I came into the chair in 2013 was that easily a billion dollars a year goes unallocated in that 5% target to women, right, to women entrepreneurs every year. And I remember, you know, as a banker, those numbers don't work for me. Now, wait, a billion dollar opportunity and there's some woman that hasn't created a business to go after a million dollar opportunity, it has to be because women don't know about it. So one of the things that we try to do is to illuminate that fact and, and make sure that women understand how to go through the process to be a part of the federal procurement process. And so just a few years later, the number of women that are accessing government contracts, I think it's 50%. Yes, that's exactly right. So they, they met the goal proper a couple of years ago, but again, there's some of the largest agencies still aren't in anywhere near that 5%. Well, I'm trying to say that that legislation that passed a few years ago are two senators from Connecticut. Yes, who was the first to sign on to that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Because if you're an entrepreneur, not only can you create wealth for yourself, 
you create wealth for your family, you naturally impact your community, and you also create jobs for other people and therefore can amplify the wealth creation just away from you. So I think it's really important that women think about that when they're thinking about should I go into uh, you know, a corporate environment or, or even a philanthropic environment or should I try to start something on my own? And many women have the ideas, they have the energy, they have the capability, but they aren't aware of the resources that are available to them. So as some of your uh, award winners said earlier, where do I start? And that's why the Women's Business Development Council is so important because of the training and the access to resources that you provide. Now, the necessity report. It was a very interesting report because when, when popular business press defines necessity, they're talking about the need to do something because you may not survive. So necessity and survivorship is really what they're talking about. But this report talks about the fact that the 45% increase in the origination of women-owned businesses since 2006. When I tell you I sat on the edge of my seat the entire time, and almost fell out my chair when I heard that there's almost a billion dollars that sits on the table that's available for women's development in business. And part of the reason that they're not um, accessing is they're not they're not aware of it. And so part of the mission of the WBDC, ooh, that's like a tongue twister, Women's Business Development Council, is to help provide opportunity for um, women to access business and, and uh, equip with the tools necessary to be successful. Let's continue with the uh, the conversation. Women-owned businesses since 2006, a lot of that has been driven by women feeling that they don't necessarily have access to greater opportunities in those chosen careers that they in those careers that they've chosen. And so, if they think they're not going to get to senior roles, or they think they're not going to get to the right opportunity, many of them, and I would argue, a lot of them are Xers and millennials who are saying. You know what, I don't need to play in that game. I can go ahead and start my own. And that is what's driving a lot of the growth that you're seeing. And my own personal opinion is that millennials in particular and the younger Xers have a different risk profile than we had as boomers. Many of us who are in the world war of boomers, we were that first generation to really have an opportunity to break through that ceiling. I would argue that traditionalists paved the way, but we really had an opportunity to break through the ceiling. Now, the answers of the millennials are saying that's great, but my perception is I'll have to do what you did in order to get there, and I'm not willing to do that. And I think I have an opportunity to do it faster if I do it on my own. And that's that's what we see in that report. And seeing a lot of new opportunities develop as the economy starts. force in the labor force. And the reason is 
they are articulating their voices differently than we did. You know, if you were a boomer, you would just you just told to put your head down and work really hard. If you don't get fired, you're doing all right. Fascinating to hear the difference between the two generations, um, the boomers and the X's and the millennials, and how they are approaching their roles in the uh, in, in corporate America. And they're like, the, the millennials are like, hey, you know, if you don't provide opportunity for me, then I will take my skills and exit and develop my own opportunities. You gotta love that. Let's continue with the conversation. For the disease, and therefore, I think access. So that's a really positive Things have not changed that much as I just cited on the BC front. 
scams like this. If you look at the number of partners that you have in DC firms that are women, it's near zero. I mean, it's not zero, but it's you know less than one percent. And so some might argue that if those deal partners haven't seen and haven't invested in women before, they're going to be much more risk averse to doing that. But I think as we have more success stories, and people like you and people like the National Women's Business Council illuminate those success stories, I think the money will start to find them. Now, with respect to loan capital, I don't think that we have put enough resources, frankly, in the women's business development centers across the country. Because I think that if you do that, <laughs> we have, we just have it. And you can create scale, in my mind, that again will make it easier for women to find out about these resources to fill out these applications. And then obviously the financial services crisis didn't help because banks really did, you know, start to restrict the capital that they were putting into the workforce and I mean to the to the labor market around entrepreneurs and especially small entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, that my current day and I'm really proud of myself for this is that we started a capital access fund along with the Urban League and the National Development Council because the number of loans going to people of color with the financial services crisis was down over 50%, depending on what part of the country you look at. So we have tried to partner with them to create knowledge for small businesses, not the high-tech businesses, but the everyday daycare center. Um, you know, and that's, that's what we're hurting our You know, um, one of the things that we see a lot is that women do not that struck me as uh, interesting said if she was in a position where she could influence education in this country she would uh, insert financial literacy as early as the second and third grade I was like wow let's continue to go Parents, our relatives, 
they were the ones who we had data. They're getting a lot of data that's misleading about who they are from social media. So I think those of us in the room have to over-index to the positive so that they have something to combat those messages with. Excellent. I know Bill's going to be the five-year-old client. I have to ask you about the importance of measures and sponsors because I know that's a passion of yours. For me personally, it benefited me so much. I try to give as much of my time as possible to the uh, daughters and cousins and friends and the of, 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 of uh, my friends and colleagues that ask me with their, their high school or college daughters. There isn't enough time in the day. But sponsoring and mentoring is so important. And there's a difference between the two. Yes, ma'am. And I would love to, for the audience to hear about that. And I would love a call to action. Uh, earlier, you're really inspired by how important it is really engage with young people and help them advance in their career. Yes, so just to give you the difference, and I write about this in my first book, Expect to Win, a mentor is the person you can tell the good, the bad, and the ugly too. So by definition, it must be somebody that you trust. Don't just choose someone and say, oh, Frank's going to be my mentor. She's been successful for 20 years. Because if she doesn't know you very well, she cannot be a great mentor to you. She can be an excellent advisor, which means answer any career question you might have. But a mentor will give you that tailored advice, tailored specifically to you and to your career aspirations. Unlike a sponsor, oh, let me say this. A mentor does not need to be within your organization, nor do they need to look like you. But they must understand your context in order to give you tailored <laughs> advice that you can successfully execute. A sponsor, on the other hand, is not the person you tell the good, the bad, and the ugly. The sponsor is the person you tell the good, the good, and the good. <laughs> this is the person that is carrying your paper into the room. This is the person that behind closed doors will argue passionately on your behalf as to why you should get the promotion, why you should get the bonus, why you should get the next great opportunity. Make no mistake, this is the person that is spending their valuable political and social capital on you. So you need to know every year that you're going into an evaluative cycle, who's carrying my paper into the room? And if you can't answer that question, then you should invest vigorously into a sponsor relationship because that's what makes a difference in your ability to ascend and maximize your success in any environment. So it is so important that you have a sponsor, but more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, it is important that you sponsor somebody in your organization. And I would say, especially if it happens to be a woman, it happens more naturally for men just because there are more of them and people tend to migrate to people who are like them, that's natural. But if you have a woman in your environment, men, and ladies who have a seat at the table, you must sponsor them, they cannot ascend without, that is a call to action, they cannot ascend without your capital. And for the ladies in particular in the room, if you have been invited into the room, make no mistake, you belong in the room. And if you belong in the room,
Coming down to the why, the final segment. Oh my goodness, this is going to be a treat for you too. She actually, everything else that she's doing at, at Morgan Stanley and outside of the community, she, she's writing books and she also, well, she's a singer. So you got to take a listen to this. If anything, that person is going to be even more qualified if that person is going to lend their voice to them. So please do not sit in the room and be quiet. Make sure that you exercise your power, because here's the secret. The more you use your power, the more it will grow. such a great time my sister was actually being on as i mentioned um she she that did the the gift boxes for a lot of the honorees and people who were being recognized and carla harris uh, being one of those individuals as well next week we're going to have norm Seavers with us norm uh, is a graduate of Bowery university and he was doing triathlons back before people even knew what triathlons were so we're looking forward to getting norm on the show and that's it you guys have a great weekend